Welcome to the Summer of Love. We are so excited about what God is doing here. We are so excited about love and, um, and just the, the, what God has called us to be and at our church to love like Jesus so lives have changed. Lies, love like Jesus so lives can change. I think is awesome and uh, something that we want to do. But really, what does that mean? So we started out a few weeks ago uh, talking about this relational holiness series. We based it on uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. It's uh, something we've said every week. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And what is, what is holiness? You know, what does that mean? What is righteousness? Um, how do we even get to that place? You know, and we started off talking about uh, the church. Our church specifically uh, used to be or, or is a holiness church. And we're part of a holiness denomination. And we, um, but what, is, what does that mean? It seems like we don't talk about it like we used to. We don't say the word as often. Um, and, and really holiness conjures up different images for different people. And so uh, in the beginning, we really began to talk about how do, we, how do we get people to know what holiness is? And we decided that we need to reframe the way we speak about holiness. Um, speak about it in a way that contemporary society will understand. Speak about it in a way that more people will know and want to be uh, a part and have a part in what this is. So uh, since everything in our world seems to revolve around relationship, we thought that would be a great way to bring holiness to, to the uh, society in a way that maybe people would understand more or understand better. Because we live in a relational society, uh, relationships are built and broken every day, um, and we do relationships different than we used to. Uh, I remember the first person, it's been years ago now, but when uh, Facebook was, I guess Facebook still is very um, all the rage. I don't know if it's all the rage, but it's popular. So when Facebook was all the rage, I remember somebody came in, one of my uh, teens as a youth pastor, and they were very sad. And I said, why are you sad? And they said, well, I broke up today. Oh, I'm so sad to hear that. What, what happened? Did, did you guys have a talk? Did you? No, um, just he changed his relationship status on Facebook. <coughs> that was the way that she got broke up with, I remember. But you see, that relationship was so important, and uh, we have ways now of making relationships uh, even more important or uh, more part of our daily lives than they used to be. All right, so then we looked at uh, what are core and contributing notions to holiness. Uh, the contributing notions are things that are around holiness that maybe we talk about, like holiness as rules or regulations, holiness as purity, holiness as being set apart all help us understand holiness, but are not the core of or the meat of holiness in itself. And we decided that the core of holiness is that it is love. If we want to understand holiness, we say we need to ponder, and I love this, the nature and the activity of God. <coughs> the nature and the activity of God. The most fundamental thing about God, the most at the heart of a very adequate understanding of who God is, 
is this idea that God is love. If we are going to understand who he is, then we need to read that. And I think when we have a, a hard time with that because we look at the Old Testament, which I'm, going, I'm reading in Ezekiel right now. You want to try to imagine God as love, don't read Ezekiel because it's like he's hardcore, you know. A, a prophet's coming in and God told me this and he's going to, and this is going to happen and it's going to hurt this way and it's, but I think we get stuck there and we forget that there's more to the story. So love is at the very center of what being a Christian is all about. But what is love? For the Christian, love is different than it is for everybody else in the world. So we decided last week, this is the definition of love. I don't know if you thought about this. I said, really think about this and what it means for us. To love is to act intentionally in response to God and others to promote well-being. To love intentionally in response to God and others to promote well-being. So at the heart of love is promoting others' well-being. And I, I um, know that sometimes we flippantly throw around the word love, like, oh, I love you. But do you really love? Is it really something that you do? Are you really desiring to promote the well-being of somebody else? Because that requires sacrifice. That requires giving. That requires, if you remember DC Talk, love is a verb. Anybody? Some of you remember, right? Love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is something we do. It's not something that we just say. And it's not just being nice. You can't let somebody cut in front of you whenever you're uh, driving on the interstate and say, see, I love them. That's not love. Like, that's, just, that's just you being nice. Okay, love is promoting the well-being. Love is donating food and items and diapers to people who don't have. Because it requires something. We're, we're doing something. It's a sacrifice of, of time. It's a sacrifice of money. It's a, you, you understand? There's a difference. And then in the Greek, there's three words used very often for love. I'm trying to recap because today, and, and this is what I mean, you, to hang, hang with me today because it's like, it's like an onion and we're peeling back the layers of love. I want you at the end to understand the, the depth of love that God has called us to that leads us to holiness, to righteousness, righteousness which is Christ-likeness. Man, it's, it's just awesome, and I love this. All right, so three words, agape, eros, and philia, right? Agape is uh, to promote well-being when responding to actions that cause ill-being. In other words, being nice to somebody when they're mean to you. That, that's agape love. All right, and then eros is uh, to promote well-being by affirming and enjoying what is valuable. That's easy for us, to love and affirm and enjoy what's valuable. And then the last one is philia, to promote well-being by seeking to establish deeper bonds of cooperative friendship. In other words, it's fellowship. It's, it's why we like to talk and spend time and, and have meals together, and, and that's all philia. So the love of God is an all-encompassing. It's it's being nice when people are mean. It's enjoying the, the good things of life, and it's building relationship. The love of God is, is all of that, and that's what he's called us to do as well. Okay, so, but let's, let's get on with it. How deep is love anyway? I, I want to unpack this idea of love as the core of holiness, and to, to do that, let's start with 1 John 3.16, which you all know. We've said it, uh, and I, we'll say it several times today. This is how we know what love is. 
Oh, we should tune in, right? If, if, love, if God is love and, and God has called us to love others, 1 John 3.16, this is how we know. You want to know what it is? This is it. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for others. Pretty simple. Jesus laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for others. So if we're to ask what kind of love that is, if we say God is love, we need to look at what that is. Jesus' life and death demonstrates, it reveals the depth of God's love for us. You see, because Jesus reveals God's essential character. And so this sometimes feels like it stands in conflict to who we imagine God to be in the Old Testament, right? The, the God of the Old Testament who seems to always be punishing people for doing wrong versus Jesus who reveals God. Yeah, somebody's watching while we're listening. <laughs> this, uh, that Jesus reveals God's love to us, so what does that what does that look like then? So, oh, the love of God is who Jesus is. Well, Jesus willing to give his life up. What I, what I want to encourage you to do with the Old Testament, when you read it and when you study it, is to view it as God always drawing his people back to him. Drawing his people. It's a, it's a story, not made up story, true story, I believe, but to draw people back to him all of the time. He, he says, He's, he's uh, in anguish over the people who won't come back to him. He gives and he gives and he gives and he gives agape and agape and agape. And they keep throwing it in his face and he, and he still draws them back. And to the point where he's like, man, how do I... Listen, the, the, the last thing I know to do is to give you my son. Jesus, who is God, also saying, to, for me to become human so that I can show you what I mean. All right, so let's look at John real quick. And, and I love the book of John. In fact, our Wednesday Bible study, we'll have another one this Wednesday, is we're digging into the book of John. Uh, this is 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might love or live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. All right, so so we're going to start here. God isn't alone. God is not by himself. God is not up there and and it's just God. God is, is with Jesus. I think it's something we all know. We've talked about before. We know that God's not alone. In John, the book of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word. And when I first began to study it, I was like, I don't know what that means. In the beginning was the Word. But, but continue on. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is Jesus. The Word became flesh, it says, and lived among us. According to John 1.14, he lived among us. And then if you go on to 18... Jesus is who made God known. In the beginning was the Word. So so Jesus was with God in the beginning, and then it's Jesus who makes God known to us. 
All right, so if God's not alone, let's look at Jesus then. Jesus said in John 15, 9, As the Father has loved me, <coughs> so I have loved you. In other words, Jesus shares fully with us the love that God the Father has shared with him. So God shared his love with Jesus. Jesus shared his love with us. God is sharing his love with us through Jesus. Okay, you staying with me here? We're peeling the onion back, right? Then Jesus tells his disciples to mino, M-E-N-O, love this. Mino, mino, to, to abide in his love. If we're trying to, the, the Greek word mino, to abide in his love, to hang out in his love, to spend time in his love. One of my favorite, to sojourn in his love. We're, sojourn is uh, someone who's on a journey and takes a rest. They, they sojourn. So we are called to just abide in and rest in and, and, and live in his love. Sounds great in theory, right? There's even a song, and we sang it a few weeks ago, if I could just sit with you a while, that would be Mino. If I could just sit with you, if I could just, if you could just hold me, if you could just let me know everything's going to be okay, if I could just abide in your love. So, how is it then that we abide in God's love? If you keep reading it in John 15, verse 10 says, If you obey my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Okay, so now it sounds like we're getting back into legalism, right? We said as a contributing notion, holiness as legalism, as following the rules. It helps us understand holiness, but it's not holiness, I don't think so, because if you keep reading, you get back into verse 12. Remember, don't, you should never take a single verse out of context. What is the context of what it is that you're reading? And so we, we keep reading. He says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. I have obeyed my Father's commands, and I remain in His love. You keep reading. Verse 12, he says, which command? Love one another as He has loved us. As I have loved you, love one another. So Jesus really is boiling all of everything down. In fact, he says all of the law can be broken down into this, to love one another. If you love one another, you have kept his commands. You see, Jesus came, who is God, right, and the Son of God. The Trinity will not understand exactly until we get there, how that works. But So Jesus came as, as God, the Son of God. Jesus came in flesh to show us what is the most important thing. So it goes like this. God the Father loves the Son, who in turn, and in the same way, loves the disciples, who in turn, and in the same way, love others. You picking that up? So, so God loves Jesus, who in turn in the same way loves us, who in turn and in the same way loves others. It is by the love of God that we are empowered to love others in the same way. And, and listen, we're going to get to how that happens exactly. This is not going to leave a question in your mind. Well, all that sounds good in theory, so do I just try harder? No, he, he, it's, it's coming. Hang with me. All right, so, so we find that we can experience of God, and we are enabled to love the same way. But how? How does He enable us to love the same way that He loves? 
Does God say, I love Jesus, and Jesus loves you, so go and do it, and I'll just let you to it? No. He does say go and do it, but in John 14, 6, Jesus says he's going to send a helper, the word paraclete. You probably have heard that before, the word paraclete. Jesus says, I will send you a helper. Literally, that word paraclete means one called to come alongside. So God loves Jesus, who loves his disciples, us, who are supposed to love others. But he doesn't just abandon us and say, go try your best. He says, I'm going to send you a paraclete. I'm going to send you a helper. I will send you somebody to walk alongside you and help you with this. The helper, Jesus says, is the Holy Spirit, who will be with us forever and will teach us everything and remind us of what Jesus said. He's got a big job. The Holy Spirit will teach us everything. The question is, are we listening? The one who is called to walk alongside us. See, Jesus didn't just abandon us. It's the beauty of what Jesus is called to do, has, has called us to do. So the Holy Spirit brings God. God understood as the Father and Son loving each other. Right? So the Father and Son love each other. And the Holy Spirit then brings that down to our level, to our experience, to our lives. So we can imagine in our minds that there's this perfect world of love. God and Jesus, they're loving each other, and it's awesome for them. And that's what they say. Hey, God loved Jesus. Jesus loved his disciples. The Holy Spirit translates that love to us. As we go, we're four weeks in. We've got one more week is all. Are you beginning to see then how this idea of holiness, righteousness, or Christ-likeness, at the heart of that, the very core of that, is love. Are you seeing that? God loved Jesus. Jesus loved disciples. Disciples love others and each other. All communicated to us by the Holy Spirit, the one called to walk alongside of us. I feel better today. Like, I think like last week, some, some people were looking at me like, I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. But, but today, it seems like you, everybody doing okay? You staying with me still? It's awesome and it's deep. And, and it's, it's like as we go through it, you'll see this full circle begin to happen. And you think, oh, I understand. So holy, uh, the Christians throughout history have decided that the Holy Spirit brings love, God's love to us. And it's not just love, it's this father and son loving each other kind of love that he translates to us. In John 20 then, Jesus, chapter 20, Jesus, this is after he is resurrected, the disciples, they're scared to death, you can imagine, because if you remember in in the uh, scriptures, they all went and hid when Jesus was killed, right? Because now, oh man, they're coming after all of us. They got our leader. The rest of us are going to follow. They're all scared. All the disciples, they're scared, right? And so Jesus appears to them. This is awesome. Behind a closed door, locked door, by the way. This also lets us know that the resurrected body for us will be different, but the same. Because Jesus, after he was 
killed and then he came back to life, his body was different. Somehow he could go through walls, but they also could still touch him. Pretty cool. Because they were standing behind a locked door, scared to death. Jesus shows up. Whoa, what's going on? Remember, and, and Thomas said, I don't believe it's you. Let me touch your side and your hands. And I don't. And Jesus tells them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them, blew a breath, told them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This was him giving them the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 17, verse 21, he says that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. So again, he's drawn on the relationship of God. This, this is relational holiness at its core. And then go on to verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, may we be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus is praying that we who are his disciples, we're his disciples, right? We're his followers, might actually live and embody the divine love of God. That's what he's asking the Father. Father, I want them to live and embody this love that we're talking about. This empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. It's coming full circle. All right, so the next part, sharing in the triune love that is God. How do we get to to God's nature? The Trinity reveals this relationship of Father and Son and Holy Spirit as a dynamic sharing of self-giving, other-receiving love. All right? What's been revealed to God in the sending of His Son and the outpouring of the Spirit is God's own being in love. That's that's what's been revealed here. Following this line then uh, of thinking, Christian holiness is this, active participation in the love between God the Father and God the Son through the power and presence of God the Spirit. I'm going to say that again. This is a quote out of the book. Christian holiness is our active participation, so active, right? Again, the verb, in the love between God the Father and God the Son through the presence and power of God the Holy Spirit. So we get to participate in the same love that God is sharing with Jesus is communicated to us by the Spirit. I don't know if that helps you out, but man, that lets me know how much God loves me because I'm I'm participating in the same love that God and Jesus have, right? Do you understand the depth of that? And that love that they have, this this unity, they're one, right? They're one person, but three at the same time, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, they're one. That love is communicated to me, given to me by the Holy Spirit, who is my helper, called to walk alongside me, as I am abiding in that love. It's amazing if we can do it. All right, so how do we identify the Spirit? This is important, okay? We we should test the Spirit. This is where the enemy can creep in and give us a distorted 
version of love, where we think that maybe we're going to find love in a person. This, I'm talking about the love that we're talking about. So that I'm talking about the love that God is communicating to us is not going to be found, the source is not going to be, let me say it that way, in another person. The enemy can come, the devil comes alongside and says, hey, man, this person, they really love you. And, and it, it begins to feel like, oh yeah, this, might, this is good. And, and we get this perverted, distorted view of love because we're finding it in that person. And if it's not that person, maybe it's that boat. And if it's not that boat, maybe it's the house. And if it's not the house, maybe it's the money. And if it's not, you understand what I'm saying? Like we begin to find that, well, if I have a lot of money, I can do more good. But God doesn't care about that nearly as much as he cares about you being in his love. Because the love is the source for everything. And then if God thinks that you have the right character and person to handle the money, because not everybody can, then he's going to give you all that money so that you can do the good that he's asking you to do. Don't come about it backwards. Pursue the money so that you can do the good. Pursue God. And then he'll, okay. All right, I'm, I'm hurrying up. We're almost done. So the Spirit's role is to always direct us towards Christ. We're testing the Spirit. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Are you ready? This is important. It tells you exactly here. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Basically, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the Son of God come in the flesh. And, and I'll say, I can say this. I have dealt with spiritual warfare. And I know for a fact that every time I dealt in that realm, when I've had to, this is the test. Because in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus Christ, a, the darkness cannot stand it. They cannot. They don't want to be in it. They don't want any part of it. Think about every time that Jesus encounters a, a, a demon in the, in the Gospels. Every time. They... Before he gets there, they're trembling in fear. They're, it's almost like they're writhing in pain just being in his presence. So if they, they cannot acknowledge that Jesus is God come in the flesh, the Son of God come in the flesh, that's how we're going to test the Spirit. The Spirit's role is to always direct us towards Jesus. All right, so let's look at the, what's the truth about love. 1 John 3.16, remember? This is, how, this is the other John 3.16, the less famous but very important one. This is how we know what love is. This is how we know. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. You see, when Jesus lays his life down for us, we're getting a glimpse of how much God loves us. Does that make sense? Jesus lays down his life for us. We get a glimpse of what God's love really is. And then verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Why are those two so close together? <laughs> this is how we know love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 
remember, they didn't have verses when they wrote the Scripture. They didn't write it in chapters and verses. They just wrote it. They were writing letters. This is the letter. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? (coughs) On September 20th, I'm really praying through on this. I haven't got clarity on it yet, but I will say on September 20th, we have a special guest speaker. It's going to be awesome. Who's going to come and talk to us about human trafficking. And with all of the with all of the things going on in our society, I feel like this is the one thing that people are not really focusing on. But there is so much um, slavery happening right under our nose. And I'm talking about prostitution and um, work, where they're being forced to work, um, child slavery, like all kinds of different human trafficking elements. Our district, our church, our denomination, and then our district, and Cerise and I went last night to the grand opening of the um, Rescue Hill ministry that's starting, and it is for people that are being trafficked. Human trafficking is such a big deal, and uh, it's, that's who's going to be talking to us on, on Sunday. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? We see things going on all around the world. What is, and this is what I'm praying about, what is our part in the area of social justice? What is it that we should do as Christians, as as those filled with his love, as the ones who God has given his spirit to walk alongside of us to communicate the love of God and Jesus to us? What is our part in the world letting them know what, you know, like, like it's, it's what we're called to do? Love is only more than being nice. It's sharing with people in practical ways. It's doing for them things that they can't do for themselves. It's I don't know. You see why? I, I'm not sure exactly what that looks like for us. So how does, uh, how do, how does the love that we have, if we keep it, we, we die? How do, how do we get that love out of us? Because God didn't just send us His love to sit with us. He sends us His love to be conduits of His love so other people might experience it. And everybody experiences love differently. For some people... It's a hug, which is hard right now. <laughs> For some people, it's a hug. For some people, it's a meal. For some people, it's being rescued out of human trafficking. You see what I'm saying? For some people, it's standing alongside them as they experience an injustice. What is, so, so what is the, the Christian's part to play? And I'm not saying every Christian needs to do everything. I'm saying that we all have a part to play in this. All right, let's move on. I'm getting hung up here. Last one, the witness of the Spirit. So holiness is Christ-likeness, right? Holiness is Christ-likeness. We said that. And Christ-likeness entails self-giving, other-receiving love. 
John Wesley did a sermon that was turned into a book called A Plain Account of Christian Perfection. Um, it's one of our youth pastor's favorites. We were talking about it the other day. It's a very dense read, but it's free and available on the internet. I would in, encourage you to get read it, dissect it, make it your devotion for like a month. It'll take a while <laughs> because it's written in uh, Old English, like um, King James type of language, which we don't understand as much today, but it's so good. This is what he said. Um, in describing the entirely sanctified believer, he said this, we mean, oh, I have it right here. We mean one in whom is the mind which was in Christ, and whoso walketh as Christ also walked. He loveth the Lord his God with all his heart, and serves him with all his strength, and loves his neighbor every man as himself. Yea, as Christ loves us, indeed his soul is all love. So let's read that again. We're talking about the entirely sanctified believer, one in whom is the mind which is in Christ. We're understanding that. And whoso, and I'll, I'll change this, whoso walks as Christ walked, who loves the Lord his God with all his heart, serves him with all his strength, loves his neighbor, every man as himself, yea, as Christ loves us, indeed his soul is all love. You see, this type of love is not something that we can generate out of our own willpower. We can't just decide one day, you know what, I'm tired of being mean to people, I'm going to start being loving. It just doesn't work that way. Now you can say, I'm going to try to be a little nicer today, <laughs> and then a little nicer the next day, and a little nicer the next day, but that's not love. That's just becoming a better person. This type of love we cannot generate on our own. And we all know how difficult it is to love people sometimes. Right? We all know that. Wesley insisted we can only love this way if we've experienced love. And I got to tell you, as we've started into this whole school situation, uh, not here at the church, but kids, so Caden, our youngest, is, is going to the school here, uh, which is awesome, by the way. If you have any questions on that, let me know, and I can help you out there. But um, Morgan and Maddie aren't. And I have to say that the online, the online school thing is driving me crazy. I'm going to tell you, it's driving me crazy because every day we've got a different problem and a different thing, and, and kids don't listen to instructions anyway when they're in class, right? Like the teacher has to tell them five times, and then the kid asks six questions. So then the kid left to their own devices, and uh, I'll give a, a, for instance, I want you to write eight sentences on these three questions or whatever. I mean, they don't see the eight sentences, right? So they write some sentences, and the teacher's not there to give them any correction, and then, you know, the grades come in, and you're like, what's going on? And, and so it's really hard, as much as I love people, to love this whole online thing right now. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a struggle. So just loving people in general, you know, can, can be difficult sometimes. And the case, the, the, the fact is we cannot unless we've experienced love. So this experience of divine love is exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. We experience 
the love of the Holy Spirit, of God through the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5 5 says God's love is poured out in us. If that's true, if his love is poured out in us, shouldn't we be able to feel it? Wesley called this, John Wesley, the witness of the Holy Spirit. We must, and he said this, we must love God before we can be holy at all. This being the root of all holiness. He says, for we cannot love God till we know he loves us. We love him because he first loved us. And we cannot know his love to us until his spirit witnesses to our spirit. Are you getting that? In, in a nutshell, John Wesley's saying, like, we are unable to love the way that God has intended us to love until his Holy Spirit. His Spirit witnesses to us, brings to us, communicates to us the love of God and Jesus, this in-depth kind of love, until that witness is witness to our heart. Once we understand God's grace and mercy for us, which is a um, product of His love, once we understand that, then how can we do anything except love others? Is, are you making... You picking up what I'm putting down? Okay. Galatians 4, 6 says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Paul uses, we read that this morning, Paul uses the Greek word exapostello in this scripture. God sent the spirit, exapostello. The same word he uses in verse 4 when he says that God sent forth his son. So the same way that God sent his son, he sent forth his son into history is the same way he sent forth the Holy Spirit to us, which is, and the reason that's important is because it's literal. Literally, the Holy Spirit, not figurative, it's not a theological concept, the Holy Spirit was literally sent forth to us the same way that Jesus was sent forth into history. It's the same thing. So how are these things connected? Holiness as a life of love, the witness of the Spirit, the doctrine of the Trinity. We've, we've, this has been, you see, this is fat onion. We've been peeling layers back. We're called to love God with all of our energies as we love our neighbors as ourselves. But we cannot do that until we've experienced His love. And at the center of his love uh, at the center, at the root of holiness, of Christ's likeness, the middle of this onion is this idea of love. And out of this love is communicated to us so that we can love others. So whole holiness, Christ's likeness, with love at its center is wholeness, W-H-O-L, wholeness. If you really want to be a whole person, if you really want to experience the wholeness of God, if you really want to experience, you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's the wholeness. So out of this holiness, the core is love. The band's going to come up and we're going to close with the song. But what I really want you to take away from this is the Holy Spirit communicates the love of God and Jesus to us, walks alongside us, uh, abides 
uh, I mean, is, uh, walks alongside us so that we can abide in the love of God. And if we truly get there, out of that is birthed holiness, this idea of Christ-lightness, righteousness, being sanctified, whatever word you want to get us, uh, give it, a second work of grace filled with the Spirit. All of that has love at its core. And if we say we love Jesus, then we're going to love his people we, because we just can't help it. It flows freely from us to others. So, man, thanks for hanging with me today in that. It's, it's deep, but I got to tell you, man, as we get to the heart of what holiness is, as we get to the heart of, and this is us giving ourselves entirely to God. To be sanctified, it really means I'm just giving him all of myself. I'm giving him my whole heart so that his love can fill me, and that's what comes out of me. I just love it. And I've become so enamored with the idea that God loves me. It, it has helped me. It has changed my life. Because not only did I lose, as I gave God all of myself, as I, as I um, um, I'm trying to think of the right words, when I was sanctified, it was me giving myself to Him, surrendering, that's the word, I surrendered everything to Him. But that also opened my heart up for the Holy Spirit to communicate His love to me. And as I've understood what that is, like, I, I don't really have a desire to sin. Not that I don't, but I don't, I don't want to sin. I, I gave it up. That's, that's the... Um, the old timers, they, they would explain it to me, eradication of the old man. I didn't really even know what that meant for a long time. Eradication of the old man, that sin nature in me. I gave it to God. I said, God, I don't want this. I love that you love me. I love being filled with your love. I want to feel this all the time. I give you everything so that I can feel like this. And so now not only has he changed me in that way, but times that I would otherwise be offended at every little thing, because I'm full of his love. Anyway, we've got one more week. We'll wrap it up next week, but I just hope that you can begin to, when I say practice the presence of God, I'm talking about allow his love to settle in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit do what he wants in your soul. Just let him communicate that to you. Isn't that awesome? We can experience and feel the Holy Spirit's love, God's love being dumped on us. It's amazing practice that this week. God, today as we wrap up our time together, I'm just so excited about uh, what this means for us, what this means for a change in our hearts and our lives. And I ask God that you would help us to understand, to grasp what your love is and who you have called us to be and how you have enabled us to love others. That you would help us to be holy people, to be like Christ. Holiness is Christ-likeness. Just imagine what Jesus would do. They used to say a long time ago. What would Jesus do? How, how can I be Christ-like? That's what holiness is, Christ-likeness. And we know that love is at the very center of that. So Holy Spirit, have your way in us. We ask that you do what you want. Work in us how you want. Move us where you want. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.